Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, super excited here to be joined by uh, Colin Wiles, uh, a pitcher, MLB free agent, currently or previously was with the uh, Oakland Athletics. Also joined by Lane Fry, another baseball content creator. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Awesome. Pretty good. Yeah, and like I said, Colin, hyped to get you on. Long time coming. It's been a couple of months, or I feel like it's been a couple of months since we kind of first reached out to each other. Um, since then, you've gone through, um, you obviously had some surgery. You want to talk about that and kind of discuss like the whole rehab process and everything that's kind of going on with that? Yeah, so I mean, it goes back to the end of last season um, in Oakland. Um, got hurt, had a little shoulder thing, whatever, got MRI. Kind of just the typical run around like the, oh, you know, like, yeah, there's some damage in there, but everyone has damage in the shoulder. Um, a lot of inflammation, so got all got that all knocked out. Um, was feeling good, wasn't throwing anything, and then once throwing kind of ramped up in the offseason, it just kind of came back a little bit. Um, by that time, I had agreed to a contract with the Brewers. Um, so they took me down to Arizona, got an MRI, um, and revealed some more damage that um, – I guess I wasn't anticipating in the slightest. Uh, so yeah, I ended up needing labrum surgery. Um, posterior bank heart is what it's called. Uh, got four anchors in there, uh, no longer with the brewers and just rehabbing, um, here in Gulf breeze, Florida at the, uh, Dr. James Andrews, his hospital, his Institute thing here. So grinding away. Well, I got a, I got a question for you, Colin. So obviously you prepared a long time for this. You finally make your debut and then obviously some unfortunate things happen in the shoulder. Then you get the surgery. How do you stay positive through it all? Because I know a lot of guys yeah. and a lot of like younger guys that follow me, they always ask like a lot of times they ask like what when it goes wrong like what do I like why do I keep playing like what's like I feel like everything's out of their control is hurting them more than they should be worrying about. And then I don't know how to explain it, but more like how do you keep a positive yeah, energy sure. around you about it? Because obviously you worked your whole life. And then a little setback, it can get in the way. But if you don't let it get in the way, then you're just fine. For sure. Um, for me, it's simple. For me, it goes back to my faith. I'm a Christian, I'm a big believer in Jesus Christ. So um, everything the Bible tells me, Romans 8, all things work together for the good of those who are called according to the purpose. So um, little tidbits like that, they've kept me going my entire career, really. Um, yeah. And so just being able to draw from that, being able to press into that, um, I think it helps me stay stay level, stay grounded and not get like too caught up in the what ifs. Right. Cause yeah. I mean, I, that's, I know after surgery, I fell victim to that. The, what if this doesn't go right? What if something happens here? What if next year this and that and this and that, but it's like, no, you got to worry about what's today. What's the mission um, of today. Um, and so just being able to stay grounded in that being rooted in my faith, I think that's what's, that's what's kept my head above water for sure. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Do you think having Tommy John in surgery, you know, a few years back kind of helps you, go through this like the second time through another rehab scent? I think so. Um, it definitely, so going through Tommy John, right. It's that shock of not playing. Yeah. Um, and so in that regard, yeah, it'll help this time. Um, this time has been a little scarier because obviously I don't have a team that's mm -hmm. in charge of my rehab. Um, but, uh, I do feel like I'm in really good hands. I feel like God worked his hand in all of this because my wife and I, we moved down to Florida this off season just to get a Florida house. Right. Um, <laughs> And it wasn't until after we closed in the house, after we were already moved in, that I found out I needed surgery. So it just kind of hit me like upside the head with, hey, now you got this house. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, you're not going to have a job. Um, but no, thankfully, Dr. Andrews Institute is 
20 minutes right down the road. And obviously Dr. Andrews is a legend in, oh, yeah. in the game of orthopedic surgeries and stuff like that. So, um, no, it's been, it's been really cool just to kind of navigate, I guess, that aspect of it going from the fear of, oh my gosh, I don't have a job. I don't have a team to rehab me to now it's like, okay, well, I know I'm in a good spot. I'm in good hands. Um, and I can just kind of, kind of clear my head of all those worries. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, um, you, 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 I kind of asked you this on Instagram actually. And, uh, I've talked to guys who are rehabbing. They'll pick up like different hobbies, like cooking, uh, golfing, <laughs> I guess you can't really golf right now but, or gaming, whatever it may be. Um, and you mentioned that you have a ton of hobbies. Like, what do you do? Like, how, how are you keeping yourself busy? Cause obviously you're watching the guys in spring training, you're watching the boys do what they're doing, the WBC. And then you're kind of just here, like, uh, taking a, as an observer, sure. um, what do you do to keep yourself busy? For sure. So I forget, I don't know which, what, what year it was, but I randomly fell in love with European soccer. Oh, okay. um, so I watched Liverpool pretty religiously. Um, after Drive to Survive came out on Netflix, I've immersed myself, I guess, in the F1 scene as well. Um, watching golf on TV, just a lot of like weird kind of outside the box yeah. sports and that aren't really watched a whole lot in the United States. Um, they kind of just like keep, just give me like an outlet. Right. So like, yeah. I'm, if I am in my free time, I'm reading about Liverpool and like Liverpool soccer. And it's like, that's so outside of, yeah. of my profession outside of really anything that I was raised doing. Right. So just stuff like that. And obviously like I have video games here and, uh, the house has been nice cause we've got a big yard dogs can go run so just little stuff like that to keep myself occupied my mind off of uh off of missing baseball it's probably a better place probably could be worse places to rehab than florida especially around this time of the year <laughs> nah, that's, you are yeah. you are correct in that that's for sure yeah because we're supposed to get snow here in wisconsin tomorrow and it's uh it's almost <laughs> april mm, that sounds not 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 too much fun for me <laughs> so i was gonna i was gonna ask because uh, I read that you're taking the year off hoping to get ready for the 24 season. Is that, that's correct? Uh, yeah. I mean, Based, um, just you, not having a team, right? I mean, I yeah. mean, if the team wants to come along and they want to pick up rehab. Okay. I'm so you are, I, I didn't like know that. if you were just planning on taking the year off, making it like a rehab year to get right for 24. Yeah. But I mean, let's say you do, what are, are you throwing to live ABs wherever when you are up to that? Obviously you're still rehabbing whatnot, but what is that? time off look like even in the off season like what does your time off look like in terms of working out throwing throwing programs how do you delegate how much you're throwing and how to amp it up for the season for sure um to answer the first part of the question if everything goes to plan i believe um we've been in talks with a few teams and it's just the, the feedback that i've gotten is kind of like oh we're like it's really early in the rehab process right now but once we get further along um, into like the live BPs or like the bullpen stage, then there that's when teams would um, kind of have more interest that way they could just pick up on the back half of the rehab and just kind of go from the mound progression and stuff like that. Cause that, at that point I'd be closer to playing. Um, but in a normal off season, no, um, ever since Tommy John, I've really haven't, I've been that guy that I have, I don't really stop um, my throwing. Yeah. So yeah, after the season, I, it won't be a lot. It'll be like backyard catch, right. Or yeah. even just, tossing the football around um it's beneficial to like strengthening shoulders and stuff like that um workouts and stuff kind of get flexible with that so yeah. the last six years my wife and i've been in arizona we've been fortunate we got a good spot 
there, um, working out and throwing and everything like that. Um, all of my family and all of the majority of her family lives back in Kansas city. So when we're back in, in Kansas city, you got a gym there that I can go to. And then obviously here being in Florida, we have, uh, um, a gym for like two minutes away from us and stuff like that. And then, um, haven't got a chance to yet, but I plan on reaching out to like high schools around here. There's a couple of indoor facilities. I know one in Pensacola and one in Fort Walton beach. It's like 20 minutes away that, um, probably be in contact with as well, just to see like what kind of like training stuff that they offer and stuff like that. So just try to be as flexible as I can, um, given the circumstances and where I'm at. Yeah. That's so cool. Hey, cool. let's, let's take it back to kind of the beginning and stuff. Looking at your, your, um, starting off in high school and stuff, you are the number six overall, uh, like high schooler in your state of Kansas. Um, and I, dude, I'm not a really a stats guy, but <laughs> I was looking at your stats here, dude, eight and O with a 0.10 ERA in your senior year. Um, when did you kind of realize, you know, I'm a little bit nastier than, uh, the average kid in my state here? Uh, my senior year, <laughs> it happened, every, everything happened really late. So I saw a lot of people I talked to is like, man, you probably recruited as a freshman, this and that. And it's like, no, 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 really? Everything happened my junior summer going into my senior year. Um, that's when it like picked up really, really big time. That's when, uh, we were at, uh, I don't know what tournament we were in, um, in Georgia or something. And through a game there, Vanderbilt coach was there. Liked what he saw, was in contact with Vanderbilt from that day forward. Then uh, the next week, TCU came along, and it was that kind of same thing, too. Um, up until that point, the biggest school that I had on me was Kansas State. Mm. Um, and I grew up, obviously, in Kansas, Overland Park, Kansas. My dad played baseball at University of Kansas. My mom played basketball at University of Kansas. The University of Kansas never even what? sent me so much as, like, a recruiting letter. Um, and I would go to their camps all, every summer, every year. Um but yeah, I, nothing, no love. So um, up until my, yeah, my junior summer going into my senior year, um, I kind of had my heart set on the Kansas State, which is good. Like yeah, the yeah. D1 program, Big 12. Um, but yeah, no, it was just one tournament in, in July that Vanderbilt coach saw me and then the ECU coach saw me and then it just everything just kind of accelerated from there. That's insane. Like I've heard that story before. I talked to guys like um, Antonio Menendez with the uh, Menendez with the uh, Royals. He's or yeah. sorry, the the Rays. He said that he had no offers. He pitched that one tournament and he had like thirty offers the next day. <laughs> it's it's crazy, crazy how fast it can yeah. all kind of come about. For sure. For yeah, sure. I was wondering. I was wondering. Oh, I'm sorry. If you were going to talk. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I was like after after that happened, right? I I I commit to Vanderbilt um, in the fall of my senior year. The Royals did like this Royal scout team type thing. Um, and we went down to, I believe, Jupiter in a wood bat tournament, pitched there. And then that's when like pro interest started. Mm -hmm. um, and then that crept all the way and uh, up until the draft, really. And I didn't even know that the Rangers were, were going to draft me when they did. Um, I found out when it came across the TV and really? the guy announced my name. And oh, yeah, it was. It was the whole spectacle. It was pretty cool. They had called my agent and told my agent, but my agent um, said he wanted me to just witness it live. So wow. uh, I'm thankful for him for that because it was it was awesome. It was cool. Now that's kind of what I was going to get into. So obviously, most people don't get the chance to play D1. Most high schoolers don't. But you already have that recruiting process, and then you see the 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 draft day rumors start, I guess, circulating, or you start coming in contact with pro scouts. How does that? change the way you think like i know some people let it get to them some people don't 
was it something you thought about or were you worried about it or were you just taking it one step at a time? If you go D1, then draft, if that's even a possibility, are you just focusing on getting to the next level? How'd you handle all that? Because obviously at 18 or whatever years old, like that's a lot of pressure, especially if you're talking yeah. first round, like that's a lot of pressure putting on a, a young guy's back. Sure. I, I think, um, I think I'm just not too smart <laughs> as a, as, as a, as a kid and even now because it never really never really affected me um i remember my first start in high school looking back like literally on the mound back to my first pitch and there's like 20 radar guns pointing back at me and i've never been a big b-look guy anyway so i remember like kind of laughing to myself like oh what are they what are they hoping to see here like mm-hmm. they're gonna see 87 89 or 80 maybe touch 90 91 um but no yeah that all that stuff never really affected me whatsoever which it's kind of crazy sitting here yeah. and talking about it, but because um, obviously, like you said, I there are a lot of people, kids that came out of Kansas a couple of years after me, whatever. That um, just talking to them, they they said the same thing, like, "Oh man, I saw those radar guns, and all of a sudden I couldn't mm. throw a strike, I couldn't do this, I couldn't <laughs> do that." And it's like, "Oh, I never had, never had any of that for whatever reason." Yeah, it's kind of like just let whatever happens happens, and yeah, it'll all work out how it's supposed to. For sure. So you had no idea you're going to get drafted, like. Like, you had to have like in the back of your mind because you got drafted first round, obviously. Uh, I think um, by the yeah, obviously by the Rangers. Um, like, did you have a draft party at all? Like, did you have people over? Like, what was that whole environment like? Yeah, so I get. I shouldn't say that I didn't know I was going to be drafted. Um, there was um, like a pre-draft agreement with the Royals um, for and later than the first day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just say that for I don't know if I'm. <laughs> I don't know how much I'm supposed to say about that yeah. still, even though we're 11 years past or whatever. But uh, anyway, so there was there was that. Um, but then there were rumors that Rangers, the Blue Jays, something could happen on on the first day of the draft, obviously the first round, the supplemental rounds. Yeah. Um, and so that's the part that I didn't know that if it was going to happen or not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I ended up having say about 15 of my high school friends over. Um, my parents had a couple of their friends over and we, it was just there like, Hey, it could happen. It, it could not, we have no idea. Um, so if you want to come great, but if it doesn't happen, like, don't be awkward. Don't be that like, Oh man, I'm so sorry. It didn't happen. Like it'll all be all right. Um, yeah, just sitting there. And, um, I guess the rumor has it that Rangers had called my agent before our pick and I don't know, they talked about something and all that I heard was basically like, no, it's not going to happen. And so I was like, oh man, okay, that, that sucks. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And it gets to pick 53. And I, I remember sitting there watching it, like, and I was thinking, like, man, this, I think this was the pick that, like, it could have been me, but whatever, let's see who they take. And it came across, and we select high school pitcher, Overland Park, Kansas, Colin Wiles, whatever. And like, all the people at my draft party just jumped on top of like a big dog pile. It was, it was cool. It was, so it was cool. a lot of fun. That's incredible. And obviously, like, how, how upset was the Vandy coach when you had to let him know, like, hey, dude. From a first rounder now, I'm not. I'm not a Vandy yeah, boy. That's, uh, um, I think he was very upset. Uh, he never. I called him to tell him the news and didn't answer my call. I left him a voicemail. Didn't return any messages, anything like that. And then uh, saw on the paper, the press, whatever. A couple of days later, that he basically was just bashing me and Matt Olson, saying it's the biggest mistake that we'll make in our in our careers, and that um, going to school is like the best way to go about it. And, so yeah, yeah, I mean it was that was so a whole like to it, crazy though. like spectacle Jeez. like I didn't I didn't I didn't expect that whatsoever because at the same time it's like yeah like I went 
higher than I thought I was going to. Um, the money was over slot. Mm -hmm. Like it was more than I thought. It just kind of seemed like a perfect storm for like, yeah, of course. But I might have to find that, uh, get a video of your debut and just send it to him in the email. Be like, Hey, it all worked out. Okay. <laughs> no, it, I mean, it's, 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 it's worked out for, for both of us. Um, I know if, if, if I would have been in school, I would have had a world series ring, some sec rings and stuff like that too. And I'm still, I still keep in, in uh, in touch with some of those guys. So it, it worked out the way it's supposed to. Yeah. Is there a round that you would have gone and it would have been like, um, is there a round that you would have been picked where you think, okay, I'm just going to go to Vandy or is there like, you know, if I'm top five, I'm going to go to MLB or go pro. If not, I'm just going to go to school. Is there like a draft in your or spot in your mind where you're thinking that? Yeah. So my year was actually, that was the first year with the, uh, I don't know what they call it. Like the, like the slot. Right. Mm -hmm. So like if the Rangers would have drafted me and I wouldn't have signed, the Rangers would have lost all that money. Yeah. So that was, the, that was the first year that, teams are going through that. So it was kind of a thing where, Hey, we need to know that you're going to sign before we draft you in these top 10 rounds. Otherwise mm -hmm. we're going to lose all that money and we don't want to do this. Um, now you kind of see it'll, it'll happen like one or two times a year. I don't know if it happened in 2012, but I, I know that like teams were very, like they were trying to figure out how it was going to yeah. work. Right. And so they were, they were trying to make sure that um, the guys they drafted were going to sign. And um, I had made that clear to, um, a few teams like we had a number that we had in our mind and we kind of set it a little higher just try to scare off all like the teams that were like oh like maybe maybe not mm -hmm. um but then yeah there was like three or four that stuck around um and then made sure to let them know like hey yeah if this happens like you don't have to worry about me me going to school so wow um just, that was like backroom like politic type stuff it was Kind of it's it's so crazy like, how yeah it's crazy how the MLB draft works because it's so different than like NFL NBA like any any other pro league it's like people get drafted um, above slot or they'll try to save money and draft somebody here or senior sign um, just the whole politics of like mm -hmm. MLB draft is just something so fascinating a lot of I don't think the everyday fan kind of realizes like all the increases in intricacies that kind of work behind the scenes. Was Corbin the head coach at Vandy when you were getting recruited? You yeah, he was. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that was um, another thing that played into that, like me signing, was right before the draft, Vanderbilt had they had switched coaches. So Derek Johnson was a pitching coach who is very influential in, in recruiting me. And then um, Josh Holiday as well. Um, Josh Holiday, I love that guy. He's fantastic. He was a recruiting coordinator and I offensive something with Vanderbilt. Um, he, he he left to take the head coach job at Oklahoma State, and then DJ left to do something in pro ball. So it was kind of was like that perfect storm, too, of like the two guys that were really influ influential in recruiting me left. So And now the Rangers are coming in with this. Like, yeah. it just kind of made sense in my mind. Like, yeah, I'll just go ahead and sign and start that, start my career. So Yeah. You talk about that signing bonus. Obviously, we don't need to say the number. Talk about another man's money and all that. But uh, what was that first dumb thing you bought? Because obviously, you get a decent signing bonus. You're 18. Uh, you just graduated high school. You probably went from no money in your bank account to now you got a ton. What was that first big dumb purchase that you made? I was, I wasn't giving my money. My my parents and my grandpa they kind of took it away yeah, from yeah. me, so I didn't I didn't get to buy that dumb thing. But I mean, I, I did get to. I bought myself a car. That's what I did. Uh, I bought it new, which I'll never make that mistake ever again. I was told not to don't buy a new one, buy a used one, whatever the yeah. appreciation, all that stuff. Yep. Didn't listen hard headed. Um, 
I bought a, I bought an Audi S5 little coupe, which I ended up trading it in three years later because it was too small. And I knew it was too small when I bought it, but it was fun to drive. And yeah. I was like, yeah, this, this, this will be fun. But, uh, no, that was like the only thing that, uh, only thing that I bought. So, so you go, you go from, um, high school all the way to the minors, you start in, um, rookie ball and all that kind of stuff. Um, how was the minor leagues for you? Obviously you were there for a bit. Um, do you have any, uh, funny minor league stories where you talk? I thought the guys were like, um, I had bed bugs in my, in my mattresses or like cockroaches in the pillowcases, um, like raw frozen chicken, um, for the spread. Like what is like your funny, like grindiest uh, minor league story? Maybe high A. We played in the California League. We were in uh, mm. High Desert, which isn't the best place to uh, um, play, to say the least. Yeah. But I can't remember if it was Bakersfield or something, but the showers after the game had flooded, and they flooded over the wall. So the whole bottom of the clubhouse was just in shit, like dirty shower water. As Even as you're like, you yeah. have your nice clothes and you're getting dressed, and you're squishing your way through oh. other people's dirty shower waters, that was... That's probably like the the one time that I looked around and was like, man, like this sucks, like ridiculous. Everything else is, yeah, it's not glamorous, it's not good, good, mm-hmm. but um, I mean, it, it's all part of it, right? But no, dirty shower water on on the on my like nicer clothes is <laughs> yeah, not ideal. No, yeah, for sure. What what would be your Obviously, you probably played in a ton of different cities. A lot of these smaller cities that only have minor league teams, mm-hmm. they still go crazy for baseball. What's mm-hmm. been like the best baseball city or your favorite city to go play in? So I have a few for different reasons. Um, I've, I've liked everywhere that I've played. Um, even High Desert, like, it had its purpose. It served its purpose. Yeah. I'll just go back to High Desert. Like, High Desert, the environment sucks. The Like, you're in altitude. You're in a desert. The wind blows straight out. And it's just kind of one of those things where I remember after the season, Oscar Marin was our pitching coach. He's now with the Pirates, big pitching coach. And we ended up winning the championship that year. And the year before that, in 2015, we won the championship in Loway. So there was a lot of the same guys. So we basically, we went back to back, if you will. But the championship that we won in High Desert was so much more meaningful because that place was so like against us as pitchers mm-hmm. that it was kind of the thing where if we could survive that and do that, then we can go to double A and play. We can go to triple A and play because we just, we spent a whole year in Adelanto, California, where the wind is blowing. I'm not kidding you. The flag would be stuck like this. Like it's not even waving. It's just literally stuck like that because the wind's blowing so hard. Um, so it's kind of one of those things where if we can do that there, we can do, we can survive anywhere. Um, but Spokane was a lot of fun. I had a blast in Spokane because on a Tuesday night and short season ball, we'd have 6,500 people. And it, it like, that's they, awesome. Yeah, really, really good environment really good atmosphere um hickory north carolina was a lot of fun because that was i actually repeated there so i went there in 2014 got hurt in like may or something like that so then that next year i went back and um repeated low but that was a team like i said that we won the championship and so um just like the people around the stadium people like the the super fans if you will like they made it a lot of fun there um and what was the next oh and Frisco, I don't know if you've ever been to Frisco. Um, if not, you need to go check out their ballpark. They got a lazy river in right field. I mean, what? it's it's uh, 35 minutes north of Dallas. I mean, it's everything you could ask for. It's it's like a triple-A stadium, but they have it in double-A. Uh, That's awesome. Everything there is great. Um, Round Rock was Round Rock was, was awesome. Uh, they took really good care of us as far as, like, players and stuff like that. And then last year in Vegas, 
Vegas is the nicest, nicest stadium in the minor leagues. And I don't know if you'll ever be able to change my mind. Yeah. Um, it is like from the clubhouses to the dugouts to the field. Like it, it is a, it's a big league stadium um, in AAA. So yeah, yeah, I've been really fortunate in, uh, to play in a lot of nice places. So. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Um, how was it playing in in, in Vegas? Because obviously um, you're in Vegas. Um, I talked to Jared Koenig <laughs> about it. I'm like, dude, how hard is it for the guys to not just like go crazy? Because uh, I have had Jared Koenig on the pod a couple of times. Also, yeah. a teammate of yours um, uh, last yeah. season in uh, uh, in Vegas. Like, how was that environment? Like, did uh, teams that were coming in like did those players like hit the strip and stuff? Like, what was that whole scene like in Vegas and playing in there? So we were in. Summerlin, which is probably 30 minutes off the strip. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe a little less than that, but the, the, the visiting team hotels, Red Rock hotel and casino. I mean, it's, it, it belongs on a strip. It is nice enough to be on strip, whatever. Um, but for us is like playing in Vegas. I think it didn't really affect us as much as probably the teams that were coming in. Um, I had friends, other P other teams that they came in and it was just like, man, we need to get this game over with. I got to go back to the blackjack table or I got to do this. They got a pool party all day tomorrow so we're, um, we're we, we got a show and go like i'm gonna be at the pool all day um but as far as like the like us that were in vegas it was kind of like oh yeah they do that every tuesday like whatever yeah um but yeah no I, I think it definitely affected the visiting teams more than it affected us did fran uh reared in uh sit you guys down like before the season started and be like hey guys don't make any dumb dumb decisions here yeah for sure and i i, I think you have to do that especially being there um yeah, we had like our introduction meeting, whatever, and he was very clear. He's like, "Hey guys, like, no one here is oblivious. Like, yes, we are in Las Vegas. Yes, all of you are over twenty-one. You can go do whatever you want, but you're in charge of your actions. You're in charge of of the outcomes. So, be smart or don't. It's going to come back on you. It's not going to come back on me. Any anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, so he was very good about that, and it message received. Yeah, no one got in trouble. <laughs> Everyone was good. Like, yeah, it was good. It was a fun time. So now I got another, this kind of off the wall question. Sure. Obviously there's a lot of travel going on in minors. And then let's say like you were playing with Milwaukee, you had to go to LA. It's a long, long flight, long road trip. You stop at a gas station on the way to the facility. What are some must haves for mm. those long travel days? Like snack wise, mm. like some gas station essentials. I'm too chunky to be eating, eating gas station essentials, but I feel that four pack of the Reese's the king the one two three four packs yep. um that's those are mine <laughs> um toss some sunflower seeds in there that's a that's a yeah. that's a staple uh some barbecue sunflower seeds maybe some ranch but the ranch always cuts up the top of my mouth so yeah um stay there and then um i don't know some sort of ph water or whatever because they got to cool. be healthy right you got to keep your yeah. gotta keep your body in in ph balance or whatever yeah. and i'm eating all those eating all those reese's but uh no, I'm not a big, I'm not a super big snack guy. Um, but yeah, those would be, those would be my three for sure. Gotcha. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Piggybacking mm -hmm. off that, like in the bullpen, like what are you snacking on in the bullpen? I'm so nervous in the bullpen. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> snacking on nothing. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, um, yeah, it's funny about the bullpen. So I got actually a little backstory here. So James Jones, who I played with, with the Rangers in AAA, um, he made, big leagues as an outfielder with the, with the Mariners. And then he converted to a pitcher mm -hmm. and he's been with the Rangers for, I don't know how many, like four or five years. This year he's with the Dodgers. But anyway, I'm sitting in the bullpen and round rock. It was my first time ever being in the bullpen. Um, 
And I remember the conversations we were having, him and uh, Jake Lemoyne were talking. And the whole idea behind it, he had just heard, I, I don't know who it was, I don't know which big name guy, I don't know if it was like Jocko Willick or one of those guys, um, but they kept talking about Murph. And, well, you don't let Murph get you, don't let Murph get you. And I saw I was just kind of like, listen, trying to like stay focused on the game because I had no idea what I was doing in the bullpen. I didn't know how to be ready, how to stay ready, anything. So I asked him to explain it, and he's like, whoever he was listening to explain it like this. He's like, um, Murph's always watching. Murph always knows. So um, as soon as you think, oh, I'm safe, or as soon as you think, oh, no, like it won't be me, Murph's going to get you. And so the whole thing was don't let Murph get you. I think it came down – I don't know if it was a Navy SEAL thing or or, or, or or what, but you can imagine like the scenario that they had it with, with, with Murph, right? Yeah. So from that point on, I made it a – like a mission of myself to not let Murph get me. Um, so when I'm in the bullpen, I'm watching the game, trying to stay as locked in as possible. I'll drink water. I'll have my little bit of Red Bull. And that's, that's about it. Cause as soon as I, I feel like as soon as I sit back and kick my feet up with some sunflower seeds in and thinking like, Oh no, I pitched yesterday. I pitched the day before. Like, that's not going to be me. It's going to be get wilds hot, please. And I'm going to be <laughs> panic mode. Like, Oh no, I'm not ready to go in. So, um, I can credit those two, those two guys for always keep me ready. So before you jump in, are you a Red Bull guy? You mentioned that, or are you like a pre-workout guy? Um, I've, I've talked to guys who like literally drown themselves with water. They'll put water in their hands and then they sniff it to like give themselves <laughs> that reaction of drowning and then like jump some and get some awake. Uh, what do you do well, to get hyped up? Maybe, uh, I don't drown myself. I haven't tried that <laughs> one yet. Uh, it's, it was um, weird. And like, but I've heard several guys, it's a, it's a Marlins organization thing. Like a lot of the guys in the okay. low A and high A Marlins, they all started doing that. And like, it's weird, but Hey, whatever works. It gives me like claustrophobic yeah. feeling trying to get them out. Um, no, so I'll have, uh, paint off Advil, wrap it up in like a glove or something in my back pocket, take a Red Bull out with me with my bottle of water. Um, Oh, sorry. I don't know where you went. There you go. Uh, take that with me. When I get to the bullpen, take the paint off, take the Advil with the Red Bull, sip on that Red Bull, drink the Red Bull um, until I think I'm about to go in or whatever. Chug the rest of Red Bull and then um, just be sipping on water after that. So nothing, nothing crazy, just some Red Bull and some paint offs. Speaking, because you said you're in the, when you're in the bullpen, Obviously, routines are different for guys who are pitching every five days or they don't know if they're going to pitch for five. Sure. Excuse me. Sorry. They don't know if they're going to pitch for 10 days and then they mm -hmm. pitch three days in a row. How is the preparation different for you, especially coming off the TJ and now the labrum mm -hmm. surgery? Like, what's that preparation sort of look like for you? Yeah. So I'm a big advocate in routines. Um, I feel like I have a pretty good routine as a starter. And then I've had to modify, but I feel like I have a pretty good routine out of the bullpen as well. I try to keep them as close to each other as I can. The only thing that that changes is when I start them. Um, obviously with a starter, I gotta go out 30 minutes before the game to be on the line and do all my stuff on, on the field as in the bullpen, you don't get that luxury. Um, but as far as like the weight room stuff, like the rolling out the bands, the, um, arm bike, the actual bike, um, all that kind of stuff. I try to keep that as similar as I, as uh as possible and just m move around uh the start times really gotcha so it's basically just same routine just different time frames for whatever the situation may be yeah for sure for sure 
So let's talk about your call up. Obviously, you um, you're grinding in the minors for I think what nine, ten years before you get your call up. Um, yeah. How did that go down? How did they let you know that you finally made your made you're finally going to make your major league debut? Like, what was that yeah, whole so emotional and like how did it all go down? I got a cool story. Uh, Fran did a really good job. He's our care play manager in Las Vegas, yeah. like you know. Um, he uh, we were sitting there watching, I don't know who was playing. I can't remember, but it was college football, right? And talking about like bets on it. Like, oh, this team was favored by this much. And look at the game. Like, because, you know, we go through like the old Vegas has it rigged because every every game is hitting the same line or whatever. Um, he like kind of came out of his office. We were just talking to somebody. And was like, oh, I was, hey, I got some other bets. I want you to, other lines that I want you to look at in here in my office. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like I'm talking to somebody. Let me, I'll get in there a little bit finished my conversation with whoever I was talking to. I walk in the office and he had his phone down. He was like, looking at his phone or doing something. He's like, Oh, okay. Like, what do you think about this team? And I was like, Oh, like maybe like, I don't know. I just can't remember the teams, yeah. um, but it was kind of like that. And he's like, Oh, there's just one bet that I really, really like." And I was like, Oh, okay. Like I'm all ears. Like, yeah. What do you think it is? Or like one line or whatever. He's like, um, well, if, if, if I was going to place a bet, I'd place a bet that um, Colin Wilde is going to be a, a big leaguer tomorrow. And I was just kind of, it was one of those things where he like, Let's he go. said it and I heard it and I was like, oh, like, I'm Colin Wiles. Like, wait, <laughs> what? And it was kind of one of those moments. Like, can you repeat that? Yeah. yeah and he yeah. had a big smile on his face and he stood up and that's what he was like, congrats, man. You're going to the big leagues and wow. you've earned it and deserved it, all this stuff. So it was, it was, it was, it was a cool one. Um, so what was, what was your first moment when you got to the majors, um, when you realized like, all right, I'm in the show now, like off the field, maybe it's, um, I talked to guys who were like, I got on the plane and like, they offered me Chick-fil-A nuggets and I had whatever I want. And like, what was that for you, moment yeah. for you when you're like, all right, like I'm not in, I'm not grinding in the minors no more. Yeah. As soon as we took off in the, in the plane, <laughs> that was it. I mean, it was, um, I got called up, we were playing in Sacramento. Um, so luckily like it was a short travel. So we were playing in Sacramento. I got told the night before, um, so the morning of September 11th, woke up, Ubered from Sacramento to Oakland, mm -hmm. got in Oakland, they had a day game, and then we were traveling to go to Texas that next day. Um, so, like, that whole first day, like, my body is just vibrating. Like, I couldn't stop it. I couldn't really, like, get a full breath the entire day. Um, walked into the Coliseum. And what's funny is, like, the first person, the first people that I saw were – Shay Langoliers and be my own machine. And these are two guys that I played in Vegas with for right. the whole year up to that point, really until Shay, until they both got called up, whatever. And I, I saw them and it was like, I couldn't speak. Like I was just like, Hey, and they were like asking me a bunch of stuff like, Oh, congrats. And I was like, yeah, like, okay. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, body just vibrating, met so many different people, like front office people. Oh, we got to sign you this. We got to do your contract. Here's media people. I gave an interview. I I've like read clips of my interview. I have no idea, no recollection of what I said in the interview. Um, I got out to the field for stretch and that's when it like kind of felt normal. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause it's baseball, like, yeah, you can play baseball anywhere. So that's, it kind of felt normal. Um, go back inside and go back out, um, for the game. And they were doing a celebration for Dave Stewart. They were retiring. Yeah. I don't know if they were retiring his number or doing, doing something, for Dave Stewart. But I remember just sitting there and I was just like dripping sweat. And I wasn't because it was overly hot. It was just like, can we get this game started? Like I'm it doesn't feel real yet. Um, but I was just so eager and ant like antsy to get the game started. Yeah. 
And then once the game started, it went right back into that Murph mode. It was like, don't let Murph get you. So the whole time I'm up and around, moving a whole bunch, probably look like an idiot because Urban shoved that day. And so like, it was one of those things where it's like, why does anybody in the bullpen need to move around or do anything? Um, It was against the White Sox. We ended up winning big. Um, I want to say it was like 11 to one or 11 to three or something like that. After the game, shower, get ready to go. Um, and then get to the airport, walk right on onto the plane. Coolest thing ever. Just yeah. pull right up, park, walk up the up the stairs, right on the plane. Didn't know where to sit. I just sat down on some random seat. And it wasn't until like the wheels like we took off of the ground that I just kind of was able to sit back and relax and be like, oh, like this is this is what the big <laughs> leagues are like. Like, okay, <laughs> now I get it. Cause you hear people all the time, like, oh, the travel, the travel mm-hmm. is this. And I was always a guy like the travel and AAA never bothered me. Like, sure, you're flying to Southwest flights, but up until that point in my life, I'd never been on a charter plane, never done anything. So it was like, yeah, that's just normal. Like, yeah, you wait in the airport. That's totally fine. Oh, we're delayed. Like, yeah, that's what, that's normal. That happens to everybody. But yeah, there's no, uh, there's, there's no delays in the big leagues. So yeah. now I, I've seen a couple of people bit, get asked this before and it's something that always interests me because I'm big and I'm like, like gear and whatnot like especially playing i love that was my favorite part of playing is getting all the gear and being able mm-hmm. to do whatever and i've seen people say like the difference that you like oh you need a new sweatshirt here's three of them like is it really like that in the bigs like like let's say you need a shirt to work out in or something or you got i don't know you don't have something there that you need you can just walk in and grab it like what is that like because i mean uh, I yeah no for sure the um I remember I got to my locker. The first thing that I noticed, there were two pairs of, you know, yeah, two pairs of pants and then two jerseys of every color. Jeez. And I remember thinking like, I remember thinking like, oh man, like, is there a mess up on one of them? I looked at every single one of them. Like, these are all the same. And, uh, I think it was Shay. Like he kind of walked over and started laughing because our lockers are, were close to each other. He's like, well, you never had, never had two pairs of pants before. I said, two, I said, I'm looking at four. I'm looking at two grays, two whites. I got low socks, high socks, ankle socks arm sleeves i got 18 different like three quarter full shirts t-shirts tank tops like yeah, just anything you could yeah anything you could ever want i mean they got it and uh it makes it easier too and you have really good clubhouse people and maddie weiss and in, in oakland is top tier so um he made everything like the transition really really smooth in that regard so how cool is it that you made your debut against the rangers the team that drafted you that's that's an answered prayer um, and that's how I know that, uh, I believe that God has a sense of humor because hundred percent, obviously drafted by the Rangers up with the Rangers. Um, my love for all of that starts in my pre-draft, um, visit, I guess with the Rangers, they took me down or didn't take me down. We drove down through a bullpen down there for their, whatever pre-draft people. And then we went to a game and we got there early enough to where, I don't know if you've ever been to a Rangers game, mm-hmm. but. Chuck Morgan, the PA announcer, has this thing where all of a sudden, at a certain point, it goes, it is baseball time in Texas, and he goes on and reads lineups. When I heard that as an 18-year-old, I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever heard in my life. And so I remember sitting in the in the stands, like, just listening to that. And after we left, I kind of told myself then, I was like, man, like, I want to make my debut. I, I, I want to hear that. Like, mm-hmm. I want to hear it is baseball time in Texas That's on my so debut. Cool. And obviously, fast forward now was with the Rangers for all that time. Signed with the A's. Hey, you're going to the big leagues. Cool. That's great. Um, yeah, there's one game against the White Sox and then the team leaves to go on the road. They're, they they go to Texas. 
I didn't really think anything of it. I was like, oh, okay, Texas. And I think it was Fran was like, they're going to Arlington. They're, they play the Rangers. There's an off day and they play the Rangers. And so the whole game sitting there against the White Sox is one of those things where it's like, am I going to get in? Like, man, I'd love to make my debut. But then at the same time, it's like, mm-hmm. we're going to Texas. So obviously I didn't pitch against the White Sox. Um, and then that we had a day off. Then the Wednesday, I believe, started a two-game series in Texas. I didn't pitch the first day, but I made sure to be out there early enough to where I could hear it's baseball time yeah. in Texas. And then obviously that Thursday, um, they called down and say, Hey, like you're, you're, you're going to the game. It was just kind of like a full circle thing. And it was, like I said, that's when the God has a sense of humor. Cause it's like, yeah, you, you're going to hear it, but you're going to be on a team that you didn't think you're going to be on. You're going to be on the visiting team when you hear it. So uh, it was extremely, it was awesome. And something I'll cherish for the rest of my life for sure. So now obviously you played multiple big league games. Who would you say was like the coolest at bat that you've ever like the guy you face, like obviously some guys, they say like they watch Albert Pujols growing up and then now they were rookie last year. They threw against Albert Pujols, like surreal feeling. Like who's kind of a guy like that. If you even had one that you face and you're like, man, like this is how I know this is another thing that just tells me like, yo, you're here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't really have the individual like you're talking about. Um, but my, the sense that I felt like, okay, like, it's starting to slow down and I can do this was we were in Houston and it was Jordan Alvarez and Alex Bregman back to back and was able to strike them both out to end the inning went um, with Jordan. It was cutter, cutter, curveball chase. And then Bregman had a really, really long at bat and then um, swung through a cutter for strike three. And it was, as I was walking up the field then, I was able to take a deep breath and was like, okay, well, those are two of the best hitters in all of baseball. And you're just able to strike them out. Like, sure, whatever. (laughs) And from that point, it was like, okay, like maybe I can do this. Or like, maybe, maybe, maybe we can, maybe we have a shot here. You you know what I mean? I mean, those are two guys that are definitely confidence boosts to get them out. Yeah. 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 Right. And it was like, I don't want to be like, oh yeah, like I punched him. Like, no, no, no. Like I know they are great, but if, for me, it was just those things. It was like, damn, like those are two pretty good, yeah. pretty good guys. And they two went guys back, that... and now I'm walking off the field, and I'm like, okay, like we can do this. We can yeah. do this here. So, after striking those two out, did you think to think to yourself, like, you know, I might, I might be kind of a dog at this. You know, I just struck out two of the <laughs> no, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> two of the best hitters get, in baseball. I don't let myself get too far ahead of myself. Um, but no, that was like the confidence boost. And then the next game after that. Um, was against the Mets, and that was the probably the best game that I had in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. As it got stretched out, went four point one or something like that, um, like one run. But that was like it just kind of felt normal. That's when baseball felt normal. But it wasn't until after the Jordan Bregman back to back that um, everything kind of felt like baseball again. How was the whole time in the Texas? Because they have a legit lineup. Yeah, it was. I mean, I think it was a lot of fun. Um, it was just kind of one of those things. I remember Pete Alonso's up, and it was. <laughs> He took a big swing through one of the pitches, and it was just one of those things. It's like, all right, like yeah. either he's gonna get me, I'm gonna be on Sports Center, or like we're gonna lock in and we're gonna go to work here. And so it was, that's just how that, that's how it felt for almost every single hitter up there. It was like, okay, like these, there's no more of like, okay, we're at the eight hole. Like, okay, we can breathe a little bit until mm-hmm. we get back to the top of the lineup. No, because that eight hole in the big leagues is a three hole in every other minor league level. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no. It, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's the way that baseball is supposed to be played. It's the purest form of baseball um, that I've ever been a part of and had a blast. 
Now, I know he said, like, what was your – this is the show moment, like, off the field. What was your, like, wow, this is the show on the field? Is it kind of the Jordan Alvarez thing, or is there, like, something that maybe you missed – maybe you threw a pitch and it was only a couple inches off your spot and it still left the yard, like, more than it should have. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, something yeah, like no. that. Uh, like, when Jonah Heim got me in my debut, that was watching that ball leave. It it looked pretty. From my point of view, literally just <laughs> – Piped a 2-0 cutter right, right on the middle, right where it wasn't supposed to go. Um, and he hit it. And I remember turning around and watched it. And I was just kind of like, like, damn, I'm watching this ball go in globe life field. And the crowd's crazy. The fireworks are going off. And that was kind of like, oh, you're you're in the big league now, kid. Like <laughs> can't, can't miss your spot here. 100%. 100%. How was that awesome. feeling for your first strikeout? Do you remember who, you first, who your first strikeout was? Yeah, Mark Mark Matthias was the first one. Um, yeah, I went cutter cutter slider, and the first the two quarters two cutters that uh, started off the at bat were probably I don't think I could have like walked the ball and put it in a better spot. Um, nice. I was really yeah execution with that was really really good. Um, and then Leody Tavares, I'll never forget it because I love Leody Tavares. I'm a big Leody Tavares fan. He's one of my favorite teammates of all time. Um, second inning starts off with him and I'm just throwing, I just throw like a little two seam, whatever, like get me over it. He has taken the first pitch against me in almost every at bat I've ever faced against him. Like live BPs, everything. I pitched against him earlier, earlier in that year when we were in round round. Taking everything. So I'm just like, Oh, I'll just flip up a little two seam. Hits a line drive about, it takes my head off. Probably got the middle. And I remember looking over at that first base and he just looked at me and just like smiled. Like he knew like, he like, yeah, yeah. You thought I was going to take that. Didn't you? Um, yeah, that was, that was fun. And then, um, the next big name, I guess, was Marcus Simeon, um, was able to strike him out on a slider after a good at bat. And so it was just kind of all those things just kind of, I guess, add to confidence and just piece by piece, kind of just build up your confidence and kind of remind yeah. you that it's hitting is still hard. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah. the hardest thing to do in sports. What's going on on um, and so if we don't give the hitters too much credit, um, their job in essence is hard, a lot harder than ours. So, yeah. And you don't, you don't throw high velocity. How hard do you throw? Like what's the hardest? No, you like, throw? 90, like 92. Um, the hardest I think goes up to 90, like 93.8 last year, I think was the hardest. Um, hopefully now with this new shoulder, I can get up there a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's always been just making it wiggle. Um, <laughs> But I think that's kind of what held me back. I think that's why I spent a lot of time in the minor leagues because it's one thing to you see guys that used to throw hard in the big leagues and now they don't throw as hard, but mm-hmm. they already have that big league mantra, that big league status yeah. be- behind them. I think it's a lot harder for guys like me to break into the big leagues and like to get the opportunity because now everyone, I mean, it's no secret. Everyone wants high velos, high yep. spin rates. They're not that nasty <clears throat> swing and miss everything, which almost goes against my philosophy on like my pitching, how I pitch completely. I want to force contact. I want to force the issue. I want to get you in an O2 count and make you uncomfortable. And then I want to put you away. Um, so I think, I think that me not throwing as hard as everyone else kind of held me back, but I think it also allows me to be kind of a weapon that you don't really get as much anymore. Yeah. That makes sense. Who is your toughest at bat? Eduardo Escobar from the Mets. I threw pitches to him that I had never seen. Um, or the whole year last year, 
never saw like comfortable takes, never saw anything. And I mean, it, he just, he was swinging at him like, like, like he knew they were coming and he ended up like, he got out, he lined out the left field, but I think it was like one ten off the bat or something like that. And I remember like watching him walk back and I was like, dang, like, I, I think I, I might've actually on the mound, like tip my hat, like yeah. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> like that was, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. What, what has been your favorite city to play in? I don't know. It's so my big league. I, I just got the AL West tour when I was in the big leagues. Um, but I was able to be in Seattle for one day. I think downtown Seattle is a lot of fun. Uh, like where they put us is right in the action. So um, that was cool. Dallas was cool, but I had been in Dallas, obviously, right. in Frisco and all that stuff. So I'd been there before. Um, Houston was downtown. I'd probably say. I don't know. The hotel in Los Angeles is the best hotel I've ever stayed in my life. We stay right on the water and it's, we had our dogs with us. We could take, we walked the yeah. dogs down to the beach and, um, we did all that, all that stuff. But, uh, the actual city, probably Seattle, I'd say, yeah. um, minor league, I don't know, Vegas, Vegas is tough to beat. Everything, everything about yeah. Vegas is Everything was about Vegas. Like the whole organization in Las Vegas, the aviators is first class. They take care of us so well from. I heard they had the best bread. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was, I can't say enough good things about everybody at that organization. So most guys have like an influential person who got them into baseball. Who was that for you? Was it a player? Was it a family member? Like who was that guy that you either watched growing up and then like somebody who got you into the game? Yeah, that was my dad. Uh, My dad was a high school coach. Uh, I mean, he retired two years ago now. Um, but no, my first memories of baseball are being in the dugout with him as he's coaching. Um, and then once I got old enough to realize like, Oh, I can be pretty good at baseball. Um, he was always the one that you want to go hit, you want to go throw, you want to go do whatever. Um, he taught me how to throw a baseball. He taught me how to pitch. He, we've had multiple hour long conversations about obviously like mental side of it. Um, and he's been a big proponent in, um, like, like we had spoke about before, like I'm not a big power guy. Right. So I got to find other ways to do other ways to get you out. And it comes down to like mental toughness and competing. And sure, you might get me one time, but I'm going to get you the next three or whatever. So um, he's been really influ- influential in my life and doing all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, he's the reason that I probably am where I am today. So that's so cool. Um, let's let's end on this. What would be your advice to um, a younger you or maybe even someone else who's grinding uh, in the minors or maybe even in high school? Um who's, you know, looking to get into baseball, looking to take it to that next level, what would your biggest advice be to them? Um, and for anybody in the minor leagues, keep going. Mm-hmm. Just keep playing. Keep play until they tell you that you can't anymore, until yeah. they, they lock the door and they kick you out because you really, you just, you just never know. Mm-hmm. Um, weird things happen all the time. I wouldn't have, I, my wife and I laugh all the time because before I got called up, like my, I think it was June and july in las vegas over like 10 starts i had like eight or i think eight quality starts had like era in the twos and after that happened i was like man i can't get called up when i'm pitching that good like i'm never going yeah. like that's it after this year i'm gonna go play winter ball i'm gonna try to find a job in korea or just somewhere but like i kept telling myself like man like i think i'm good enough to play in the big leagues mm-hmm. fast forward to september 11th and there you go you're watching a big league game from the bullpen so you i mean you just you just never never know um as far as like a younger kid, don't make it your job until you have to. 
Oh, so many kids now at like young ages, like 12 U tournaments are man, like the coaches wearing kids out trying to win games and stuff. And it's like, it's not your job to win games yet. Yeah. It's, it's your job to have fun, to figure out if you even like baseball enough to, to pursue it. So, um, yeah, that'd be my, that'd be my biggest advice to both those kind of anybody in those two, I guess, genres of players. So who was your favorite player growing up? Like who was that I, one guy you always watched? Zach Grinky. Determined okay. in Kansas City. Cool. Yeah. And uh That's cool story about that. He made a rehab start. My last start in Round Rock last year, um, he was coming down and made a rehab start uh for Sugarland. And so mm-hmm. before whatever, I I don't get starstruck. I don't I'm not a big believer in all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But he walked by me and I I couldn't help myself. I'd walk up to him, but hey man, like he my favorite player when I was growing up. Like yeah. thanks for everything that you've done for, for kids in the game. Like you're yeah. Who, who he is and what he's gone through, I think speaks volumes. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like that first one to go through a lot of the stuff that he went through that nowadays is like normal and it's good to yeah. talk about and get it out there. Um, but he kind of went through that first. And so I remember I walked up and he probably looked at me like, Oh, there's another like fanboy or whatever. But no, that was a cool moment for me to be able to just talk to him a little bit in, in person. So. Are you an autograph guy? Like, were you able to get any guys any make memorabilia from uh, while you're up in the majors? No, I regret it though because I I after the season ended, um, what I should have done was get a ball mm-hmm. signed by any like guys I played with before that I played against in the big leagues. So yeah. like Jimmy Hergan on the Angels, I played with him in Round Rock. Eric Swanson um, was on the Mariners, played with him. So like guys like that, I should have had them sign something just to give it to me. But no, I'm not a I'm not a big autograph, anything like that. Um, but I was able to get a nice uh, Stephen Vogt autograph ball. I, he, I love Stephen Vogt. I absolutely yeah. love. Is, he is fantastic. He is top class, top of the top of the top of the top of the class. So yeah, if there's one person you guys, anyone asked me, like, who do you want on the podcast? Like, I want Stephen Vogt like more than anybody. <laughs> Stephen Vogt is yeah. I mean, I can't say enough. Yeah, good things about. Him, but yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, were you were you there when he helped, um, or when he made the announcement that Jared Koenig was getting his his call up? Because I know he had a pl- he played a part in that. Yeah, uh. yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, the whole AAA he called the whole meeting. And we thought it was just Fran, um, but yeah, voter got up there in front of everybody. Everyone was just sitting in the locker room, and um, he's like, "Guys, I just want to let you know, like, thanks for taking me in here. Like, you made it seem like I was part of part of the community here in AAA. Like, I want you to know, you guys have a really good clubhouse." Um, everything's good, yada yada yada, and then right at the very end, he's like, "Unfortunately, like I got to head back to the big leagues." But good thing is, is Jared, you're coming with me, and everyone just kind of like, "That's awesome." And then everyone just kind of went nuts, and it was yeah. it was really cool. But that's so yeah, cool. I, I I forgot about that. That's that's a that's a fun memory. That's a good that's a good voter memory. Yeah, no, I, I love seeing Vo. Jared's a good guy too. I'm glad he got picked up by the Padres. Um, yeah, for I have sure. to see him, see what he does over there. But hey, Colin, I want to thank you for coming on, man. Like, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Like I said, long time coming. Uh, super hyped yeah, just for to sure. chop it up with you, man. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens for you, man. Like, I'm a Colin guy now. Like, this is like I'm going to be yeah. following you closely, see what happens. <laughs> Yeah. And I appreciate it. Sorry, it took so long to get on here. No, it's not good. Some unforeseen things were going on. So yeah, uh, no, but I really appreciate you having on. You guys are great. So thank you. All right, bro. I'll thank talk you. to you later. And good luck the rest of the way. Yeah. All right, man. Appreciate you, you guys. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.